1977, when Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll, died, there were nine known Elvis impersonators in the world. By the end of that same year, that number had risen to 170. And by 1985, there were 900 registered Elvis impersonators. And by the turn of the millennium, that number had grown to 485,000 Elvis impersonators. If this trend continues, <laughs> by the middle of this century, one in five people <laughs> will be Elvis impersonators overtaking the Chinese nation as the largest people group in the globe. Today we're starting a new series called Magnetic Church. And in this series we're going to look at the mission of the church. And we'll have five very different talks and in each one we want to present a provocative idea to do with mission. We'll be looking at evangelism and social action, church planting, and today looking at mission and the church. Now, before we can move forward, we need to face the doom statistics. The gloomy metrics that come around every few months about the general decline in numbers in the church. Here's a few very recent ones. Maureen, early this year, showed that the nons, the people who on a survey tick the box that says no religion, have increased from 3% in 1963 to 44% today. And two-thirds of people under the age of 30 tick the box no religion when they are surveyed. YouGov, a government survey this Easter, found that one in four 18 to 34-year-olds thinks that Jesus was a mythical or fictional character. And Barna this week said, when Christians share their faith with someone who does not consider themselves to be a Christian, 84% of the people who do not consider themselves to be Christian are left feeling glad that they are not a Christian. Or maybe the age profile. And here I've just picked the Church of England of which we are part. Showing what the population curve looks like. And what the population curve of the church looks like. You can probably spot the missing generations. One analyst said recently that intergenerational equity, that is the amount of faith inheritance that one generation passes on to the next, is the single biggest health measure of the Christian church. And we've all heard these statistics or something like them, the ones that fill our hearts with doom and gloom. And when statisticians plot these numbers, they join up the dots and then they predict the journey of the curve and post the date at which we will see the end of the church. They follow the dots on the curve 
down and say, if this trend continues, by such and such a date, there will no longer be a church. Now right now I want to make a claim that we probably all believe, but needs to be made loud and proud, which is that it's God that interprets the statistics, not the statistics that tell us about God. One in five people are not going to become Elvis impersonators. And the church of God will prevail because there is a living God in heaven who is the God of mission and the God of the church. And the term for this idea is missio dine, the simple idea that mission, the sending out of God, is first and foremost an act of God himself. Mission doesn't start with the church, it starts with God. The church's role is to participate in what God is already doing in the hearts of people. So easily we imagine that mission is all on us. Yet I think deep down we know that it is something that God himself needs to do. Let me give you two examples. You've probably all heard somebody give their testimony. They've given their story of how they came to believe in Jesus. Sometimes we video them for baptisms. But let me just tell you a little thing. We edit. Because whenever you ask somebody, tell me how you came to become a Christian, you actually get a long story. What you don't get is some story that says, well, two weeks ago, somebody just sort of slapped faith on me and there I was. I just sort of felt like I was a Christian and I'd start going to church. What you often get is somebody telling you, well, when I was a child, this happened. And once I had a dream and then I had this conversation, but I didn't do anything, but it sort of stuck in my mind. And I had a friend and they did this. And once at Christmas or Easter, I thought this, or when that person was sick or died, I actually prayed in my heart to God, dot, 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 and the whole story is in fact a story of which God is the editor. I'll give you another example. I have a friend called Raj, who's recently retired. He retired from the job of being director of Alpha in India. I'm inspired by Raj because in his last year of his job, one million people in India did the Alpha course. I asked him once, tell me your story. And this is his testimony. He had no faith background, no interest in God, no God-shaped hole in his heart. He wasn't seeking, he wasn't looking, he wasn't reading, he was perfectly happy. And one day as a student, Jesus Christ appeared to him in his bedroom and said, follow me. How much involvement did the church have in that story? <laughs> Not a lot. Why? Because God's the God of mission. Well, we're going to chat at our tables in a minute. And just to 
ease you into the conversation and you're already thinking about mission in the church, I mentioned a stat from Barna and they've produced a little video that will tell us a few more things. So we're going to just play that now and then we're going to chat at our tables. Okay, lots of stats in there. I'm going to get you to talk about just one, which was one in five of the people that you know want to know more about Jesus now. So let's chat about that at the tables. Maybe you want to get your phone out and see who your five, one in five might be, or maybe you are one of those one in five, and that's why you're here today. Or maybe you, you know of somebody thinking, I know that friend right now. They sent me a message. They spoke to me. They said something. You know what to say. So you've got two, three minutes at your table. Say hi to the nice people that are sitting around your table. They're now your friends to talk to, and off you go, one in five. manner of conversations happening I'm sure perhaps you can just tweet Jesus Magnetic, stick someone's name in stick five people's name in one of them is probably interested so our series is called Magnetic Church and I want us to know that the mission of God the thing that we've been thinking about, the idea that it's, it's God who from his heart is missional into people's lives, like Raj who saw Jesus appear in his bedroom, or, or maybe your story, the story you heard where somebody talked about how God was involved in their life and did things and brought them from one place to a place of knowing him. That God produces a missional church, and we're going to call that a magnetic church. An energised, empowered, vibrant and provocative church. And the church doesn't persuade God to help it in its mission. God is the God of mission and he works through his church. The church exists because of mission. Mission is the heartbeat of God in his church. Now, my friend Graham Tomlin describes the kind of church that I'm trying to talk about in his book, The Provocative Church. And he's a friend, so he won't mind that I've taken the liberty of changing just one word in the quote that comes up on the screen. And he says this, unless there's something about church or Christians or Christian faith that intrigues, provokes or entices then all the evangelism in the world will fall on deaf ears. If churches cannot convey a sense of reality, then all our truth will count for nothing. There is no point in just shouting louder. Churches need to become magnetic. Thanks, Graham. <laughs> Arresting places which make the searcher, the casual visitor, want to come back for more? Is our church just another little club for like-minded people who happen to enjoy singing, religious emotion 
and sermons? Or is there anything in the life or worship of our church that would make an outsider looking in want to have what we have? We're going to turn to the Bible. If you want to grab one on your table, uh, we're going to look to page 759. And we're going to look into Acts chapter 2. And we could look in all sorts of places, but today we're going to look in Acts chapter 2 and look at this uh, idea of a magnetic church. We're going to look at one magnetic church, which was the church in Jerusalem just after the day of Pentecost. And we're going to start reading at the bottom of page 759 at verse 42. And it says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I want to pick out just very quickly nine things about this very first magnetic church. The words are on the screen, you can carry on and follow in the Bible. And the first was that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. These were people that loved God's truth. And I hear some people say that uh, the church could get more people in if we turn down the God bit. But a magnetic church is energised by God's word and truth. Number two, they devoted themselves to fellowship, not just that they met together and loved meeting up. It was more than a see you next Sunday, but this was a magnetic church which was glued together by friendship. Three, they were devoted to breaking of bread. So this was a church of more than socialising. This magnetic church ate together and remembered Jesus every time they gathered. Big groups, small groups, Starbucks, home, community centre, university or workplace. And the most important building in this church was the homes where people lived. Four. They devoted themselves to prayer. This is a church that prayed first and prayed a lot. My friend Raj from India, who saw one million people go on the Alpha course, he also told me this. Every day he prayed three to four hours. I suspect there was a correlation between those two facts about his life. Magnetic churches are churches that are praying and seeking God. Fifth, God did something through this type of church and we read that he saw, we saw signs and wonders happening. So this was a church where God wasn't just talked about, 
but where God was tangibly at work, where sick people were prayed for and became well. Now, I don't know what you think about that, but I've, I've got two friends who lead churches. One, in, uh, one is in a church in Northern Ireland, another friend that leads a church in Wales. And both those churches see people who are sick get well every week. That's not 2,000 years ago, that's two minutes ago. Churches that are seeing somebody healed by the power of Jesus through prayer every week. Sixth, these, the believers were together and had everything in common. This was a radical community where it was normal that people helped each other. And by the way, any community that's like that is going to be magnetic. Seventh, they sold property and possessions and they gave to those who were in need because this was a church that hadn't forgotten the poor. They understood that there were needs on their doorstep and needs around the world that that church was called to take action and to step up. Eight, this was a church that enjoyed the favour of the local community, of all people. So this magnetic church was more than just a holy club. They were known in the community and society and the city, and the city was glad for them to exist. The city where they lived knew that that church existed. And ninth, the Lord added to their number every day. This magnetic church was a place where people could meet and discover God. At the beginning of this series, I want to ask you a question. What kind of church do you see? Is it the church that's defined by the stats that will be put up on the media every month? Or is it a church that's defined by the wonder of who God is?